Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Let's go over to the book of James. I don't know how long we'll be here. I want to get to um, spiritual warfare. We're going to be recording this tonight, so i got to behave. It's going to be going on our podcast. So we got a podcast ministry. I know everyone watches the YouTube or... Uh, go, goes to YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever, but our podcast ministry uh, is alive and well, so we're going to try to put these Wednesday nights on there. Um, had to break out the sweatshirts, a little bit colder today, we'll let you know we still got these, it's Foster Care Awareness Month, and so a couple of these are still available in the coffee shop if you haven't got one. This goes to support the uh, foster home care ministry there. Uh, it's a great couple, too, husband and wife team that has that uh, House of Providence ministry. It's just awesome. So if you haven't got, they got T-shirts as well, grab one. Like I said, they're in the cafe. Um, so we're in the book of James. I want to get to um, spiritual warfare. I, I want to get there, okay? I really do. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about um, how we need to first learn to be that one scripture where he says, uh, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, and so we learn that in order for us to have the devil flee from us, in order to win in spiritual warfare, uh, we can rebuke all we want to, but it really begins with being submitted to God. Thank you, AJ. First submit to God, then resist the devil, and then he will flee. Uh, so I want to talk about tonight... Submitting our flesh. Talk about flesh. I'm going to talk about temptation tonight. How many's ever been tempted? How many's tempted to not raise your hand right now? Okay. Tempted. We're going to talk about temptation tonight in, in chapter one of the book of James. Uh, get your Bibles out. Uh, I'm a book guy. I know everyone else, a lot of people uses their, their phones or whatever. But on Wednesday night, I like to do a lot of verse by verse teaching. We, so it's some of, it's going to be on the screen for those that may not have it, but uh, I want us to turn to our Bibles. There's just something about seeing the scriptures in your Bible. Uh, that's why I never put the text on Sundays on the screen. We stand, we read the text. I'll never put the text on, on the screen. I haven't done that since I was in youth ministry because I want us to get used to using our Bibles. I know you do, but this is a good habit. Also, feel free to write, underline, take notes in your Bible. And so we're going to do that tonight. We're going to be in James 1, then we'll go to Deuteronomy uh, they'll be on the screen, like I said, but uh, I love to be able to turn over there into there and see them for yourself. So we're going to go verse by verse here in the book of James. I don't know how long we'll be uh, before we get into the other stuff of spiritual warfare. But tonight we're going to look at verse 12. So we talked last week about trials. Tonight I want to talk about uh, overcoming temptation. And it says in verse 12, Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we thank you for the offering tonight, and, and God, everything that you're doing, you're so good. We just ask your blessing in our reading tonight as we look into James. Open your word to us tonight, Holy Spirit, that we may see something new and fresh. Also, remind us, oh God, a lot of it, uh, our time of reading the word is being reminded so we can be realigned with your word. Help us tonight as we look into what you wrote through James the Apostle, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So James chapter 1, we'll go from verse 12 
to verse 18, little by little. So we'll go 12 and 13 right now. Blessed, James says, is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, the NIV says, when he has stood the test, when he has stood the test or been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I love that. Those who believe in him? No, those who love him. Do you love God? Loving God. You'll find that in the scripture. There's a difference between believing in God and loving God. I believe believing in God is our is the elementary state, is the first level, if you will, coming to faith. You start believing. But then there is a maturing of your faith where you start loving God. And you'll find that there are specific scriptures that we claim and quote all the time, out of context many times, but they're specifically for those that love him. For instance, all things work together for the good. How many times have you heard people say that? Read the rest of the verse. To those who are called according to his purposes, who, who love him. Who love him. I did a word study on that one time. It'll really change your doctrine. It'll really cause you to look closely at this thing called faith. But love needs to be in there. Those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Think of that. It's amazing. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Let's just stop right there. So the very first thing James begins to teach us, and you take notes tonight, is write this stuff down, it's, it'll help you. Um, is he begins to attack in this whole portion of scripture the source of temptation. He starts talking about the source of temptation. Like, where does temptation come from? So before we dive into temptation, let me tell you something. We need to know the difference between testing, being tested, and being tempted. There is a difference between being tested and being tempted. God will test us, but James just said it is not God who tempts us. So I've always remembered it like this. The in, um, God tests us to bring out the good in us. The enemy tempts us to bring out the bad. God will test us to bring the good out of us. To, to That little bit of good that is there, he's wanting to perfect that goodness. He's wanting to bring more of that out. But it can only be revealed to us by testing us. What's the old saying? Tip the cup to really find out what's in it. It's a, God will, will, will test us. Now, let me just say that I don't believe every test is sent by God in life, but I do believe every test in life has a specific, um, a opportunity for us to learn something. I do believe that. But God will allow a test to come our way to strengthen our faith, to, to bring the good out of us, also to reveal to us what's in us enemy will tempt us to cause, to try to get the bad out of us. One of the places where we see the testing of God is in Deuteronomy. And, and so if you have your, your Bibles, as I said, we're going to use them. I know it may be on the screen, but if you want to go over there too, go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Go to Deuteronomy to the left, all the way to the left. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this is a little recap. Moses is given a recap of the children of Israel uh, when God fed them with, with manna. 
So Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's recapping some things, and he says in verse 2, he said, you, you shall remember that the Lord your God, he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Why were they in the wilderness for 40 years? He says, to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, whenever you see God asking a question or saying something like this, it's not that God didn't know. God doesn't ask questions to get information. Amen? (laughs) Many times, for instance, when he said, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. God wanted to let Adam, he wanted to see if Adam realized where he was. So here, God is testing the children of Israel so they can see for themselves how spiritually strong and how obedient they really are. Because it's easy for all of us to say, oh, I'll never deny you, God. I'm I'm with you to the end. I'm all in, Lord Jesus. I'm I'm a believer. I'm on my way to heaven. I'll never deny you. I'm going to live for you. It's easy for you and I to say that, right? And it's another thing to have to live that through a rough patch in a season of your life. So God said, I'm, I'm a, I brought you through for 40 years in the wilderness to test you, the, the whole feeding of the manna thing. He said to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger. Think of that. And then he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. God, and then he says, your garments didn't wear out on you, nor did your feet swell for 40 years. Uh, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens you. So there's a couple of things going on here uh, that Moses is bringing out about the testing of the Lord. First of all, he says they humbled you. In verse 2 there, and he allowed you to hunger, to hunger, to know what was in your heart. You ever been hangry? We all know, we all get there, right? You can start a big, you can have a great service on Sunday, and then be on the way home, and all of a sudden someone asks that question, where do you want to eat? And then what do you say? It don't matter wherever you want to eat. And then it don't matter where you want to eat. And next thing you know, you're starving, you're, you're grouchy, you're hangry, and you end up pulling in somewhere fast to eat something that's probably not good for you because we don't have a plan, right? Hangry, when you get hungry, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how good, good of a service we had on Sunday, you, you uh, take somebody's food away, come between someone's food, and they're going to get hangry. Come on, somebody, right? So God, he says, he allowed you to hunger to see what was in you. He really wanted to see what was in you. So you come between, he came between them and their food. And then he, he said, I begin to feed you with manna. I want you to learn what, what he's doing here. God was actually, he's testing them, but a test is a, is a way that God teaches us. There's a couple things he's teaching through this. One of them, he's teaching them uh, some discipline. He, he's teaching them some training. This is what I mean. Because... He's training them to eat the food that only God gives them when he says to eat, where he says to eat, and how he says to eat. Have you ever been on a big uh, missions trip or a big group, a group of you go on a big trip, and there's a bunch of you, maybe a vacation, uh, family vacations, but they, they may be a little different, family vacations maybe, uh, because you get to eat, sometimes you say, hey, we'll just eat we're on our own, but we'll be at Disney or whatever here, but if you go on a missions trip, 
those that's going to Africa, you, you'll see when you go with us, uh, when we go to Honduras, this has happened several times, we got to eat together. You got to eat together, uh, and you have a limited menu, so there's no time for being picky. You got to eat what everybody else is eating when everybody else is eating. And so that will bring out a little bit of attitude in you if you are a fleshly person. Come on, somebody. You have got to make a decision. Am I going to mess this whole spiritual trip up in ministering to these family because I want to eat me some chicken and they're serving me papusas? I don't even know what a papusa is. I, we have had that. We took a lot of teenagers for many years, 10 or 12 trips were mainly with teenagers. And I tell you what, some it didn't matter. Some can eat ramen noodles and be fine. Others, they, hey, they were picky. You got to have, because they're used to mama cooking them one meal. And if they don't like that, mama would cook you another meal. How many had a mama like that? I had the mama that said, this is what you're going to eat no matter what I cook. But I'll tell you a secret. When Pastor Steve come along, she babied that brother. Where's he at? <laughs> he ain't here tonight, so I'm, <laughs> oh, this is being recorded. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My mama will tell you, though, she'd go, I could give that baby whatever. If he don't like dinner, she'd make another meal for him. But on missions trips, you got to learn to eat when everybody else is eating. Whether you're hungry or not, you better eat it. And if you don't like it, that you ain't going to eat again. You might be able to go through one of the places and get some snacks. And we did have a teenager one time. Her suitcase was full of uh, snacks and all this stuff. But it teaches you discipline is what the point is. It it rearranges your whole thing. And it also is an attitude thing. Everybody say attitude. God is all about attitude. Everything in the Bible is about attitude. Doesn't care how spiritual, how knowledgeable you are. It's the attitude. It was the attitude of David that caused him to surpass Saul. Even though Saul looked the part, come from a very affluent family, he was good looking, he was strong, he was a man of valor, but he had the wrong attitude. He had a very independent, stubborn, prideful spirit. He had all that going on in him. David came from a shepherd family, but he became the greatest king ever. Why? Because of attitude. Attitude is everything. And so the testing of the Lord, if you find yourself in in a season of testing, uh, nine times out of ten, it's an attitude thing. And that's what he's telling us here. He says, by the way, Moses is saying this right before they cross over to the River Jordan, and he's just now telling the second generation, by the way, what your parents went through, this is why. So they didn't even know during the time when God was testing them with the manna why God was doing it. They're just now finding out. How many know sometimes we find out later? The test. The reason for the test. Did you catch that? Sometimes we find out later the reason for the test. And that's what he's doing here. You can't just eat anytime you want. He was teaching. He was training them to have some discipline. Manna was to get the taste of Egypt out of their mouth. Come on, somebody. Manna was to clear their palate. That's what God gave them, manna. He said, I want to I feed you this new kind of food. When you get saved, God has to discipline us, this, train us, discipline us, which is a form of correction, but it's not like spanking and timeouts. It, it, it's for us to learn the art of discipline, which means training. That's one of the first things we need to learn to do by having devotions. 
If I was at Life Challenge teaching them, I would tell them, you are in this program for one whole year. Take advantage of it. Because when you get out into the real world, you're not going to have the opportunity to get up at 6 in the morning, every single morning, spend an hour in the Word, then go to chapel, then have Bible studies. You know, you don't have... So what Life Challenge is so successful, why it's so successful, is because they do this very thing. They instill discipline within their residents during that one-year program. I went through that without going in the program for two years of my life. Very strict discipline. Got rid of everything in my house that represented my old life. Started making new habits. It's discipline. Uh, is so important. So that's why God did this, was to uh, teach him that. Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 3, and then we'll go, get back to James. So there's, there's the testing that he was bringing to him. God tests. Satan tempts. So God tests us, number one, to create discipline and to also, here's the word, train us, discipline us, train us to be dependent upon him. He would feed them with manna. It says in verse 3, I fed you with manna to make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, God was, was teaching them to eat when he dropped the manna, which was every day, if they tried to collect enough for two or three days, what happened? It's spoiled. Why? Because God said, I gotta train you to trust me. I gotta train you to trust me. Trials train us to trust. Trials train us to trust. Right here is the scripture. I was training you to trust me that I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. I took care of you yesterday. None of y'all starved, right? So why are you storing up in the pantry all that extra manna? I'm going to take care of you. I'm the same God. And I wonder if God always dropped that manna at the same time every day, if some days he purposely went a little late just to see what they was going to do. I know he did that. Every morning at 8 a.m., you walk outside, there was fresh manna. But I guarantee you there were times, 8 a.m., there was no manna. He wanted to see what they were going to do. Because why? He was training them to go into the promised land. And when they got into the promised land, the Bible says the first day into the promised land, the manna stopped. They now were on their own to trust God with something not about relying on him for food. Watch this. They now had to trust him to fight the giants of Canaan. But if they couldn't pass the test of of believing and trusting in God to provide some meals, they were not going to be able to trust God to bring down some giants in the land of Canaan. That's why he tests us. He was teaching them here that they need to know that nothing outside of God can sustain us or to give us life. He was teaching them that man shall not live by bread alone. He tested you with bread, uh, manna from heaven, so that you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Only God has what we need. And then James, I think James gets his whole revelation, what we're looking at tonight, actually from Deuteronomy. Because he comes back to this very uh, point right here where only uh, good is found in God. I'll show you that here in just a few verses. So let's go back to James. So now, if temptation doesn't come from God, where does temptation come from? Usually we say the devil, but you're going to be shocked. Are you ready to read what the Word of God says in the book of James? Go back over to James, where we're studying. James chapter 1, and it says in in verse 14, 
Okay? Verse 13 says, nor does God tempt anyone. Look at verse 14. So if, if temptation doesn't come from God, where does it come from? We think the devil, right? Nope, verse 14. But each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away by what? What? His own lusts or desires. I like desires is a better word. I studied this when I got saved because you guys know my story. I came out of addiction and I needed, I did not want to go back to that. And I felt really good in church. I felt really good in revival services. But man, when I, I, I refused to be by myself. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I would take, uh, I, I drove a delivery truck for many years. I would purposely not take the long trips to Monroe. And any time I had to be alone, I avoided. I hated to be alone. Not that I didn't trust myself. I just didn't, I, I just was not very secure in my faith. I, did, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I remember my dad said, Eddie, you got to get, he prayed over me. I've been prayed over by some of the greatest evangelists you've ever met. I've been with John Brevere casting generational spirits and every other demon and every other spirit. And I've had prayers and you turn around and do this and pour oil on me and wave this around. I did it all. And, and God is in some of that. But some things are not di- the devil. Some things are just discipline. Some things are not the devil. It's just flesh. You can't cast the devil out of flesh. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to say amen. And us Pentecostals don't like to hear that because it puts the responsibility on you and me. And I'll show you here in a minute how it's New Testament. The devil, the devil I'll show you, he's in here. He's in here. But he, we give him a lot of uh, toys to play with. And it starts with our own. James says, we are tempted. Each one is tempted when we are drawn away. Let's finish reading that before I break it down. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So there's two things there. Second one is enticed. Um, Then, there's a third one. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. There it is. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Let's break this down. So he says sin first begins. Everyone skips over that that, uh, very first thing there where he says... Um, our own desires, but then he, he gives the um, the pattern. He gives the, the the process, and the very first thing that we do, everyone runs to enticing. But no, they miss the drawn away. Drawing away is the very first problem. Drawn away is where the we are walking right on the enemy's territory, right here. Drawn away, James says, is where it begins. You got a desire, and each one. When we ha- this happens when we are drawn away. Drawn away from what? Drawn away from our circle. Drawn away from our place that God put us. Drawn away. You've all watched National Geographic. You can watch the animals and the one that's going to get eaten by the lion, the wildebeest, is what? The one not in the middle. It's the one that's straggling off to the side. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's like nature. That's like a spiritual principle. That's exactly what James is saying. When you and I are drawn away by our own desires, the devil didn't make me do it. It's like that man, that that father and that son went to visit some family and the father said, son, there's a creek out back and I don't want you swimming in that creek. And the son said, okay, daddy, I won't. They got you to the house. Little son come up missing. Daddy went behind, son's in the creek. He said, boy, what'd I tell you? He said, daddy, the devil pushed me in. And daddy said, then why are you wearing your bathing suit? 
This is exactly what James is saying. We love to blame the devil, but he can't get us. You understand he cannot touch an obedient Christian. He has to have permission by God. Even, but when you and I, it's very clear, Genesis chapter 4, Cain, if you disobey, don't you know that sin lies at the door and its desire is for you? Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus, New Testament, Corinthians, Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's a whole spiritual teaching that you and I can open the door to the enemy. And we do this by being drawn away by our desires and getting alone and getting out of where God's place is, getting out of our circle, getting out of our prayer time, getting out of our word, getting more into the flesh. And actually, you know, we're way over here and this is where it begins. James says it begins right here when you're drawn away. You're drawn away. My dad said, Eddie, you've got to give victory over this thing because you can't be walking around confident thinking the devil's just going to, and the devil can't steal your salvation. But you can walk right away from God and you can walk right into the wrong direction. But he had to teach me, he said, Eddie, you've got to get in your word and find out, get victory over this. And I found out what it was. It was, it was just getting victory over my flesh, being submitted to God, having faith in God, and trusting in Him, and He was going to take care of me, and staying close to Jesus, staying close to Him. Walk, you don't got to be perfect, just walking with Him. What does First John say? That if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our sins. And when we walk with Him, it, when we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all righteous, from all unrighteousness. If you break that verse down, he's telling us that, as, that we just walk with Jesus. As long as we walk with Jesus, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all of our sin that we're going to do and commit. As long as we stay connected with Jesus, you're going to get dirty in this world. You're going to get bad attitudes. You're going to sin. But if you stay connected with Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses you and I from all unrighteousness. That's a whole chapter of 1 John. It's a whole chapter. And then he opens it up to the rest and says, if anyone is born of God, he does not sin. What's he talking about? Of course we all sin. He's talking about the whole progression and maturity of the spiritual life. It's not that we just, you know, we got a license to sin and we can do whatever we want. No, it begins, temptation begins. The enemy will start to tempt us when we're first drawn away. The enemy gets us alone. What did he do to Adam and Eve? He waited till she was alone. He waited till she was alone. Then in the second thing, and the Bible says right here in James, each one is drawn away and then enticed. Enticed is a very interesting word. It's a Greek word which means to catch by a bait. So he, he, he lures us, you know, we walk away from the Lord, we're drawn away by our own desires, just like Eve was looking at that tree. She looked at the tree and, and she desired it. Once she desired it, the enemy came through because he works through uh, the enticement of evil. This is something we need to know. You already know it. It's true. And if any Christian says it's not, they're lying. Evil is enticing. (laughs) Oh, no, I can't. Evil is enticing to you and I. Absolutely. And this is where the enemy works. He works through the enticement of sin. And it's in what? Now we're all alone. When he gets us all alone, there's no accountability. There's no body of believers. There's nobody there that's going to help you uh, stand up. You're there all by yourself, just like Eve was, and she's taken down. Just like you and I are going to be taken down. 
when we allow ourselves to be drawn away and then enticed. And the devil works through our desires. And we're enticed. Then it says, then, so he's, 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 going, he's continuing to go in this progression of going down the wrong path. Then when desire has conceived, there's that desire again, which got us in trouble in the first place. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Note, everything I have said up, up until now has not been a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Say it over here. They're kind of scary looking over there. Being tempted is not a sin. There's no mention of sin. Even being drawn away. You shouldn't be drawn away. And I'm going to show you what to do with your desires in just a minute. But having the desires and by themselves are not sin. It's just proven you are human. Drawn away. It's not good to be drawn away. Because this is where the devil is. This is playground. We're on his territory now. That's why Paul wrote, do not give place to the devil. That's the Greek word, territory. Don't give him place. Don't be walking and trespassing on, on his property. Because you are just a sitting duck. Same spiritual principle as what James is telling us here. So, But it's still not sin. Having the desire is not sin. You need to let that sit on that for a moment. Because some of you and I, I, I condemn, this is where I thought I was going crazy because I still had some desires to do some things that God has set me free from. Especially when the summertime came. See, I got saved in the fall. But when summertime came, I'm 25 years old, everybody at the place getting drunk, getting drinking, and it's time to get this up. In summertime, everybody, you know, everything, that whole, that whole vibe was just, was just coming. Look at me like you are so holy. Come on, on Wednesday night. And everything else was out there. And maybe that wasn't your thing. I don't know. Everybody has got a different issue. That was mine. And I used to condemn myself. And I deal with people today, and you might even deal with people today that have same-sex desires and attractions. I'll show you what to do with those attractions, but there's a difference between attraction and action. You're not judged for the attraction, you're judged for the action. That's Bible. When we give place to the devil, when, what does it say? When it is uh, conceived. It's a boy. James, it's a sin. Then it's a sin. Let me go a little further with that. Then he says this. Well, let me just show you, yeah, let me just show you that desire and being tempted is not a sin. Do you know Jesus was tempted? Hebrews 4 says this. You don't got to go there. This one's on the screen because I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. The Bible says that Jesus himself, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. (laughs) Do you know, uh, in the early 1300s, some of the gatherings of the uh, church split over this verse right here. The deity of Christ. You know, people say that the canon was formed uh, during what you call its gathering. It wasn't. This was the. This has always been the main uh, point of tension and division within the church throughout our history. 
is the divinity of Christ. Was he all God? Was he all human? He was both. Here's the thing you need to know. Jesus, he was sinless. Absolutely he was sinless. He did not sin. I saw a Barna poll recently suggested that uh, 60-something percent of Christians now believe Jesus sinned at least one point in his life. And, and it's just sad because people just... I think there's a lot of reasons that go into that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, but it used to be at 42% 10 years ago. But this is, this is a game changer. You've got to believe and know and understand Jesus never sinned. But here's the thing, he could have. He could have. That's why Satan came to him. Now, if you want to really split hairs and, and widen the thing, testing and tempting can have the same thing. Someone said that Satan works for God. Some people have a problem with that. But God is not the tempter, but he will allow, he has allowed Satan to tempt and he came, but it was a test for Jesus. He tested Jesus and tempted Jesus with the things that he knew Jesus was here on earth to do, to rule and reign. He knew Jesus come to establish his kingdom. So what did the devil do? I'll give you my kingdom. He tried to tempt him. There had to have been some sort of a desire in Jesus or he would not have even been tempted. And this is why people get all mixed up. This is the way I've always used an analogy, is that, and I'm from Ecor, so this is where it comes from. Jesus always had a loaded gun. He just never fired it. That might help you or confuse you. <laughs> Jesus could have sinned, and he wasn't in all points. Okay, he wasn't tempted to, to you know, do marijuana or, or do drugs. Well, you just sound dumb. He was tempted, though, to rely on another substance other than trusting in God. And by the way, that is what the whole substance problem is anyway. It's not the alcohol, the pills, the substance. Those are apples on the tree. Those are symptoms of a deeper problem. The problem, Jesus was tempted in all that way. He was tempted he, with women. He had women all around him caring for his needs coming in and washing his feet with their hair. Jesus could have sinned. It says it right here. He was tempted in all ways, but he did not sin. I just wanted to show you that, that being tempted is not sin. But when it is conceives, it gives birth to sin. You guys still hanging on with me tonight? You still here? Now watch this. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then it says, and when, then he throws this out here. This has always kind of got me. And it says, and sin, when it is full grown, brings death. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Isn't that real interesting? When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So here's the thing. Sin starts out um, like a baby. Sin starts out like a child. He uses birthing. He uses full grown. So the analogy here, the, the picture he's painting for us is when we first get into sin, it, it's like a child. What's so special about that? You can control a child. You dress it. You, you feed it. You are in control. But James says, I want you to know something. That little pet sin of yours and mine, it will grow up. Come on, people. So we may be getting, a, getting away with it. You know, I can control it. It, it ain't got no hold on me. It, it's still in the infant stage. James is telling us that thing's going to grow. That thing's going to grow. 
And he says, when it's full grown, you're not going to like it so much. You remember Incredible Hawk? You won't like me when I get angry. Sorry, that's just in my mind. You ain't going to like that sin when it gets full grown. Because when it's full grown and you are weaker and it is strong, it's going to tell you when it's time to bow down and worship him. Ain't nobody dealt with nothing. You, you're going to say amen to me tonight? Come on. It'll it say, I don't care. I want your money because uh, you got to feed me. I, I want your attention. you got to feed me. I, I'm calling the shots now, bro. That, that, that's what sin is full grown. It's calling the shots. And the Bible says its goal is to kill us and destroy us. You see how James? You see how James is strong? He's right to the point, though. When sin is full grown, it gives birth, or it dies, it brings death. Sin starts off small, then it brings in death. So we got to get rid of that thing. And it all begins, if you rewind the tape, all the way back to the very beginning of this temptation. So God will test us, he'll allow things to come into our life to test our attitude, so we can see who, how we really are. Just like when we get hangry, he'll test us because he's trying to adjust those attitudes, right? And that's okay. If you fail them, you'll have to take them again. That's just how God does it. But the enemy comes to tempt us because he wants to get us away. He'll wait for you to get drawn away by your own desires. And then he'll say, oh, I got him. This is easy. Like taking candy from a baby. This is so easy. And then here he moves in for the kill. Yeah, won't you come out here a little bit more? It's like he did Eve. He saw Eve all by herself. Don't that look good? Don't that look good? She's like, yeah. Well, God don't want you to have it because he knows when you have it, you're going to become like him. So now the enemy is changing the view that, that Eve had of God. He's distorting that view that she had of God. But it started with desire. Here's what we do with our desires Studying this, this is one of the things, I studied Galatians 5, and he talks about the lust of the flesh. And I read in there, the lust of the flesh, and he gives a list of the things of the flesh, which I belong to a church, and they all call those demons. And this is where we got it. I was like, is it a demon or is it a flesh? <laughs> because this says right here, it's the lust of the flesh. Now, spirits can get involved when we can, we can open the door to the demonic. Absolutely. Absolutely you can. But a lot of our problem is the flesh. And it's in Galatians 5. He runs it down. And he says this is how you overcome it. By getting filled with the Spirit. There's your key. I don't care what anybody tells you. I I believe this and I got Bible to back it up. A Spirit-filled believer walking with Jesus Christ cannot be demon-possessed. That that is, I'll die on that hill and I'll take... I'll bring all the scriptures with me to show you. And you show me the one. They're not down there playing cards, the Holy Spirit and the devil. I just don't see that. I just, it's nowhere in there. Now, a person who you thought was saved (laughs) really can can be filled with the devil. Yeah, absolutely. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 tells us this is how you overcome the flesh and the devil is by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, the fruits of the Spirit are these, 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 these. And then he says this, that you'll never see this on the bumper sticker. You'll never see one of these preachers tell you about this right here. You ready? 
And I'm big on deliverance. I believe in deliverance. I've cast the devils out. I have talked to devils. I've talked to me. I believe in, I've seen them. I know them, they're real. But I also know a lot of our problem is the flesh. And here's where you've got to have discernment. Here's this one. You'll never see, hear a preacher talk on this. Galatians 5.24 Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There it is. There it is. There it is. If you and I don't crucify, don't just take that flesh under subjection, that's going to solve the whole problem that James is telling us about. Because where did it start from? Our desires. Do you see that? Now here's the thing. Your flesh is going to get desires every day of the week. On a regular basis. Until you continue to crucify them. And I know it's hard. But that's welcome to Christianity 101. Our emblem is a cross. <laughs> that's what we do. Is we die to self. This isn't to earn salvation. This is because we've received salvation. Let me just throw this out here. You know, when God brought the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt. Then he gave them the law. He didn't give them the law in Egypt and say, if you obey these Ten Commandments, then I'll set you free. No, no, no. He set them free. But he said, if you want to stay free and stay out of Egypt and receive my favor, walk in these commandments. I ain't get no amens. Are you guys amen? I just can't hear you up here. Hallelujah. I'm shutting the word this tonight. Crucify the flesh. I've had to pray this 50 times a day, it seemed like. Lord, I just right now, that desire in Jesus' name, I crucify it right now. Jesus' name, that's not going to happen. Lord, creator, are you then? And you got to cut off. I had to cut off a lot of this stuff I was listening to, a lot of stuff, music and, and, and movies and going to places that I had no business going. That was 90% of it. And then that stuff began to fall off, and then I got stronger in my faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then I can charge hell with a water pistol. I can walk in the old neighborhood. It has nothing in me at all. Why? Because Romans says, reckon yourself dead to sin. And when you and I reckon ourselves, my dad always says, see, Paul was from the South. Reckon yourself dead, then there's no more desires. You can take a, uh, an alcoholic who had passed away, put him in a casket, and you can put a fifth of jack in his hand. He's not going to respond to that fifth of jack at all. Why? Because he's dead. Paul paints that imagery in Romans 7 and 8. And he says, you and I, backing up what he's writing to the Galatians, and what James is telling us, it's all in the New Testament. Crucify the flesh with its desires. Let me put it in you or in this word. This is how we, I understood it. Don't feed the flesh. Don't, it's like, don't feed the cat. You ever have a stray cat come to your house? I don't care how cute it is. Don't feed it. Y'all know what's going to happen. Oh, it's so cute. And your kid get first and give him milk. You just bought you a cat, brother. Because the next day, it's going to be meow. And if you grew up in e-course, the next day you'll have meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you'll be like that commercial, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Am I lying? I'm telling the truth. Same thing with the flesh. I'm closing this up. The flesh will show up 
you continue to feed it. That's why, give no opportunity to the flesh. Romans, he talks about it again. In Galatians, make no provision for the flesh. Flesh, flesh, flesh. And then the last big truth in this text of Scripture that I only got three minutes to talk about, which is the best part of the whole thing, is James 1, 16 and 18. This is how we really overcome temptation uh, by crucifying the flesh, yes, but remember this. You know how to overcome temptation? Find something better than the sin that's being uh, tempting you, and that is God. And that's where he says in James 16 and 18, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shattering. So he's saying, you need to know. We just talked about testing. We just talked about temptation and the flesh. But I want you to know that nothing good exists outside of God. You need to know, don't be deceived, everything good can be found in God. That will keep you and I in the faith and not going out to the flesh and going out to the world. But you've got to really believe that. I struggled with really believing that when I first got saved. Every good thing is only found in you, God. And it took me back to Deuteronomy. This is why I was giving you manna every day. Teaching you that man does not live by just manna, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm trying to teach you that only I am your source. If you start looking for happiness outside of me, you're in trouble. James says, let me sum up all of this temptation stuff. By by telling you, don't be deceived. Get it into your DNA. That everything you need is only going to be found in God. You can stay within God. It comes from God. If you go outside of God, you're going to get in trouble. Isn't that good? How he ends this whole portion of being tempted. So I begin to say, you know what? I don't need that. I don't need to go back to that lifestyle. And I would tell them this. Why why ain't you going? I used to say, because I'm a Christian. And they would say, well, I'm a Christian too. (laughs) I had them at work, man. And I knew that wasn't good enough. And finally, I had to say, you know what? I'm not doing it because I found something better. I'm not going back to that because I found something better. Whatever that sin is, whatever it is, and we all have different issues in our flesh. You got to find, that's what James is saying. Find out, find the goodness of God. Know that God is better than what the world is trying to show you. By the way, it's not all that fun anyway the world tries to show us, right? Hallelujah. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.